This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning again. Hey, hey, hey. For, I, I, I want to say a couple things before I get started in our teaching time, and that is, this is the first Sunday of a new year. And that being said, I know that there are a number of you here this morning who have said, I, I want to turn over a new leaf. I want to start a new thing in my life. I want to get reconnected with church. I want to get reconnected with my, my faith journey. I want to take some active steps forward in my faith this year. Can I just say, I applaud you for that. That is an awesome thing to do. And the fact that you chose to come here on the first Sunday means that somehow we get to play a role in that. And I just want you to know that that's an honor and a privilege for me. And it's an honor and privilege for our whole staff. And um, so hopefully this morning, we're going to help you take uh, a a significant step forward. And it's no accident that we're starting a teaching series called Abundance. Because God has a dream for every one of his children. And that's you. And that's me. God has a dream. And the dream for us is that we would live our lives in the context of abundance. That we would have a sense on the inside that we are enough. That we would have a sense on the inside that no matter how much or how little we have, that we have enough to actually thrive in this life. And so we're going to dig into that context because as we launch into a new year and we launch into a new decade, I have a feeling there's nothing more that God would want from us than for us to begin to dig into what does it mean to experience life abundantly? To live it and feel it and sense it to its fullness. The fullness of what life could be and the fullness of what we could be. And so um, we're going to shamelessly throw a pun at you. Are you ready for this? We're going to talk about 2020 vision. How about that? And our 2020 vision for this coming year and this decade actually would be that you and I could see some things clearly. Um, One of the things that I do is I'm a volunteer chaplain for the police and fire department. And one day the cops all came to me and said, hey, you're a chaplain and we know you. You don't get drunk. You don't do all that stuff. So you probably have no idea what it's like to be drunk. So we have these goggles we want you to wear. And they simulate being drunk. And we have this course that we want you to walk with the goggles on, of course, so that we can sit over here and take pictures of you and laugh. (laughs) And so all my cop friends sat over there and laughed at me as I wore those goggles and tried to make my way through this simple course, which, of course, I couldn't do. And it just reminded me that when we can't see clearly in life, We can't navigate even the simplest of courses. 
That's how important seeing clearly is. So there are four things that we want to see clearly. There's the first one. We want to be able to see God as he really is. Because the truth is, if you and I have a distorted view of God, then our faith journey will always be distorted. To whatever degree our vision of God is blurred or out of focus or distorted or twisted. So a lot of things that we'll be working on this year are helping us see God accurately for who he is and how he responds and what he does. And then we're going to take a look at life. Because once we can see God clearly, it has all sorts of implications about what's the purpose of life. How is life supposed to work? How is it not supposed to work? What can I expect out of life? What should I not expect out of life? What can I build in life? What should I build in life? All these things we want to work on so that we can see life clearly. Because when we see God clearly and we see life clearly, then we have the opportunity to actually see ourselves clearly. And you and I will never live abundantly until we can have an accurate view of ourselves and believe all of what God has put in us and see ourselves for all of who God has made us to be and then live in that reality. And when we do that, then we will get some sort of concept of what our mission is supposed to be in life. Why we're here. What are we supposed to be doing? How can I live in such a way that my life actually counts and makes a difference? And when that happens, then we are actually able to live fully. And when we're living fully, we're living abundantly. So we want to start <clears throat> with a statement Jesus made one day to a lady who was disillusioned in life. She had given up on relationships. She had given up on people. And she was just trying to make her way through life. She was all by herself. And Jesus engaged her in a conversation. And here's one of the things that he said to her that, that is one of those life-changing realities that Jesus is so famous for. He said to her, the water I give you. Now, this woman had come to a well, and she was drawing some water to take home and drink and cook and do all the things that people do with water in their homes. And Jesus said to her, the water I give you will be, and I love this picture, an artesian spring. Now, if you don't know what that is, sometimes when you dig a well, there's water in the bottom of it, and you're very happy when there is because it means you struck water. But sometimes when you dig a well, the water actually spouts out of the well. You don't need a pump. It's pretty amazing. That's an artesian well. And Jesus used that picture. He said, if, if you'll take what I give you, it will do something on the inside of you that will create this artesian or overflowing or bubbling or abundant well within you. And it will gush fountains of endless life. Think about that for a minute. Are there a lot of abundance terms in there? Tons of them. 
Yeah. So that's the springboard. The, the, the question is, how can I get that water that Jesus gives? So abundance is the name of our teaching series, and we're going to launch 2020 from God's wide open spaces. Here's the truth. God wants you to live in the context where your spirit is free to roam and to investigate possibilities and to take risks. Not, not selfish risks and not stupid ones, but unselfish risks that are risks nevertheless. Because when you live in the context of abundance, then you have the ability and the freedom to take risks that when you live in the context of scarcity, you just don't have. For instance, if all you had was $100 to your name, and I came to you and I said, I've got this great plan, and if you'll invest 75 bucks in this plan, three months from now, you can get $225. Now think about that. You're tripling your money in three months. Is that a good investment? Well, I mean, if it turns out to be true. If it turns out to be true, that's a great investment. But if all you have is $100 to your name, is that a really hard choice to make? But if you're sitting there with $10,000 in the bank, it's not really hard to peel out 75 bucks and give it and say, you know, I'll take a risk for that kind of reward. Because one is happening in the context of abundance and the other is happening in the context of scarcity. Now, here's the truth. And all sorts of data points to this. And that is, each of us is living with an internal narrative of either scarcity, where we're afraid to take risks, and we feel confined, and we feel limited, and we feel like we're not enough as we currently are, and we don't have enough of what we currently have. We either have that, and by the way, That's regardless of how much money you have in the bank. In the 1900s, one of the wealthiest people in the United States was a lady by the name of Hetty Green, who inherited a vast railroad fortune. But Hetty Green died in her 80s in her apartment by herself, wearing newspapers instead of a slip and with the heat off to save money. She had abundance, but she lived with a mindset of scarcity. So we're either living with a mindset of scarcity or abundance, and abundance is this thing that allows us to be free and to roam free and to try new things and to not be afraid of change and to not be afraid of what's new, but to actually embrace it and see it as the bridge from where we are to where we could be. Yeah, this mindset of abundance. Now, here's what we we know from reading Scripture. We know that God's promises tend to always communicate this concept of abundance. I I could give you tons of promises. There's 600 and some in the Bible. But I just wanted to refer back to the one where we started. The water I give you will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. It's all about abundance. And when God makes promises to his children, they always have in there some dimension of abundance because our God, our Father, the one who has given us life, is an abundant God. And he wants us 
to participate in that mindset of abundance. And yet, there are other components and factors that enter into our world, and often we feel like we're not enough, and we don't have enough, and we can't do enough, and whatever we're doing, we're not doing it well enough. Anybody here ever feel that? Like every day, right? Yes. Well, we're not strangers in that. We all have that experience. And even the great faith people whose stories are contained in the Bible had that same struggle. One day, God came to a guy by the name of Gideon. And God laid out for Gideon this massive plan, and it was awesome. And he said, Gideon, this thing is going to end with a massive victory, and you're going to be leading the charge. And when the victory comes, hundreds of thousands of people who are holed up in caves and, and hiding out in forests because they're afraid from their lives. They're going to be able to walk out of the caves and out of the forest and walk in the wide open plains of my wide open spacious places and they're going to live in freedom. Gideon, this is an awesome thing and I'm going to do it through you. Now that's God's abundance. But like us, Gideon had a problem with a mindset of scarcity. Look at Gideon's response. He goes, God, look at me. Have you seen me? Take a look. My clan is the weakest in my tribe, and I'm the runt of the litter. Now, Gideon was having a hard time getting this mindset of abundance because he felt like the reality of his life was, was one of confinement. And he couldn't even picture God's wide open spaces. Gideon's not alone in that. God came to Moses one day, and God said to Moses, I got a plan. And I want to tell you, Moses, this plan is going to blow your mind. I mean, it's an awesome plan. This plan is so big, and it's so massive, and it's going to be so wonderful that 3,500 years from now, Hollywood is going to be making movies about it. To which Moses probably would have gone, who's Hollywood and what's a movie? But it's the truth. 3,500 years later, Hollywood is still making movies about what God was going to do through Moses. And after God gets done laying out the plan, Moses goes, what makes you think I could ever? There's the juxtaposition of our tendency toward the mindset of scarcity and God's wonderful vision of abundance in our lives. So here's big idea number one. Big idea number one is that abundance and scarcity are mindsets, not circumstances. You and I tend to think if we won the lottery, we could live abundantly, right? No, you don't want to say yes in church, but that's actually true. Every single person here has had that thought, I know. Okay? And we think, wow, if I just won the lottery, or if I got a big raise at work, or if I got a promotion, or if I got a different job, and here are the ones that we never say out loud, but we think, if I had a different spouse, or if I had different kids... 
Confession time? <laughs> right. There's not a person who's married who hasn't had the thought that I might be better off with a different spouse. I know, I hate to burst your bubble. And I'm sure you think your spouse has never, ever thought that. I mean, how could they think that about you? I don't know of a single parent who at moments in time know they wouldn't actually pull the trigger, but they dream of having maybe not different kids, but better ones. Yes? Yeah. But you know something? It's not about circumstances. It's about a mindset. The guy who wrote about half of the, new, of the latter part of your Bible called the New Testament, his name was Paul. And let's dig into his story for just a minute because there's some wonderful stuff in his story for us. Paul was born into a home, a family of privilege. His dad was a well-known Pharisee. And Pharisees were kind of, they belonged to a club, a religious and political club that held great power in the nation of Israel, both religiously and politically. And they were the leaders You couldn't get to be a Pharisee without being a leader. Now, Paul was born into a home where his dad was a Pharisee. And they had enough wealth that it enabled Paul to go and study in a school of theology, which was the most renowned school of theology in all of ancient Israel. He got the finest education he could possibly get because his family could afford it. And Paul did not waste his education. He became a rising star even while he was getting his education. And soon after he graduated, he was a rising star in the political scene of Israel and in the religious scene of the the Jewish religion. If you were in Israel, you knew of Paul. Everyone knew he was destined to be one of the top leaders in the country politically and religiously. And then one day, he encountered Jesus. And in that encounter, he decided to become a Jesus follower. And immediately... Everyone who thought he was going to be a star became his enemy and hated him. And they started hunting him down. And suddenly, Paul had no friends. Do you know that for the rest of his life, we never ever read of his family again? Because apparently his family did not join him. Even years later, when Paul is in prison, his family never comes to visit him. All of his old buddies who were Pharisees, they can't stand him. And they hound him, and they hound him, and they hound him, until one day they get him. 
and they falsely try him, and they condemn him to years of imprisonment. And after more than four years of sitting in a prison cell, and maybe many more than four, but at least four that we know for sure, Paul writes this. I know how to live when I'm poor. I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy. Think abundance. Got it? I've learned the secret of, 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 of feeling abundance, of being happy at any time and in everything that happens. You see, abundance is not a circumstance. It's a mindset. And sitting in a prison cell with not another single person in the cell for years, Paul still has abundance. That's pretty amazing. I want to give us just a simple prayer. And you might want to jot this down on your, on your notes. And the simple prayer is this. It is, God, please help me let go of my mindset so I can receive your promises. Because the biggest thing that stands between us and God's promises usually is us. It's our fears. It's our insecurities. It, it, it's our desire to get our own way. And so that's just such a great prayer. Big idea number two is this. <clears throat> and that is we have to invest to change. I want to tell you a story of a friend of mine. Because here's how most of us think change happens. If I just try harder. Okay? Some of you have weight loss goals in this year. And you think somehow when you belly up to the table, bad pun, I realize. When you belly up to the table, all right, that what you're going to do is you're going to try harder to eat less and only good stuff. <clears throat> and by February, you'll be bellying up a little further away from that table because you will have totally forgotten that. Because the answer to change is not try harder. The people that are the most successful in their weight loss goals are people who go out and join a weight loss strategy that they invest in. And instead of deciding at 11.59 what they're going to have for lunch, they make that decision at 6 o'clock in the morning and they fix a reasonable and healthy lunch that they make themselves eat at noon. Instead of when they're really hungry going, oh, by golly, Burger King is right across the street. And they're running a special on super big drinks. Right. And in order to get it, I have to pay, you know, only half of the mega price. And you have all these reasons why. Yeah. Invest to change. Let me tell you the story of my friend. He had a very high-pressure job. And he had a lot of people he was responsible for. And in order for his world to go well, he had to be well-organized and he had to orchestrate what everybody did. So he was used to showing up at work and having a plan for the day and gathering the troops together and announcing the plans and giving everybody their assignments. And everybody would head out and do their assignments. And, and he was actually quite good at it. But he was failing miserably in his marriage. And he could sense he was failing miserably as a dad. 
So one day he was praying to God about that. Why do I feel so successful at work and I feel like such a failure at home? And God said, I have an idea. It's going to involve five minutes every day. Only five. Are you in? He said, I can spare five. God said, okay, here's the deal. When you drive home from work, when you get a block away from your house, I want you to pull over to the curb and I want you to sit in your car for five minutes. And in that five-minute stretch of time, I want you to practice breathing deeply and slowly. Slowly inhaling, slowly exhaling. And I want you to intentionally let go of everything at work with every breath. Every time you exhale, you're letting go of work. Every time you inhale, you're inhaling your family life. What it's like to be a loving, kind, attentive, not driven husband. And I want you to inhale what it's like to be a loving, kind, thoughtful, and not driven father. And when the five minutes is done, you start up your car and you drive home. As he shared that story with me, literally tears came down his cheeks. He said, Ron, that strategy changed my life. Changed my marriage. It changed my fatherhood. It changed my parenting. It changed my home. I don't know where I'd be today without it, but I know it wouldn't be good. You know what he learned? In order to change, you have to invest. Let's dig into that for just a minute. This same guy that I was telling you the backstory of, Paul, here's what he wrote. He said, don't allow yourself to be shaped. And there's actually a translation that says, says it like this. Don't allow yourself to be squeezed into the mold of this world's standards. In other words, what's usual and normal for this world. Instead, learn a new way of thinking. That's what my friend did. He learned a new way of thinking by making a consistent investment strategy. By the way, did you notice God didn't tell him to go home and get out a, commentator, a commentary and do a three-year study on First John? Not that there's anything wrong with that. But oftentimes, the advice that God gives us is very practical. It's not heavily theological. It's practical. Learn a new way of thinking from God. This will change you from the inside out. Now, if you live in the high-tech world, you know what this stands for, right? Yeah, okay? It stands for garbage in, garbage out. That sounds like my home. I'm the one who takes out the garbage. I have no idea how we make that much. I, 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 I'm sure we don't haul in garbage, but I keep hauling it out. That's how that works. But in the computer world, we, anyone who works in that world knows that if the data you put into a computer is not correct, the report you get out of the computer will not be correct. Right? We all know that. Okay? Now, it, it means that the input always determines the outcome. Can I just say, we understand that about computers, but I think we might be confused about ourselves. Because 
oftentimes we don't realize that what we actually put into our life determines the outcome of it. So, stated very simply, if you want to change the outcome, then you have to change the input. That's how we invest to change. You don't change the outcome by trying harder. You change the outcome by investing differently. Okay? In this, in this series, we're going to be answering this question. What can I invest in that will produce in me a mindset of abundance? That's the real question of the day. What can I invest in? I'm not, I'm not talking about, forget your stock portfolio. It's not about that. What, what can I invest my time and my heart in? that will actually produce in me a mindset of abundance. This, this posture that I'm okay. Yeah, there are things to change. And yes, there are ways I can improve. But I'm enough just as I am. That I have enough just with what I currently have. I actually have more than enough. I am so blessed, as we sang, counting Every blessing. And what was the conclusion? Surely you are good to me. I have more than I need. No matter what I have, I have more than I need. I remember the first time I went to India. It was in 1986. And I didn't know how to prepare myself. <clears throat> so I thought, oh boy, i, I got to get my heart and mind ready because I'm going to see things that I've never seen. And, and I only knew what I had heard of India and and I knew that the average, I had I'd done some research and learned that the average family there lives on less than $500 a year. Now, granted, that was 1986. So, you know, double or triple that, but still. Would you like to live on $1,500 a year? That'd be a little tough, right? And have six or seven kids like they do? That'd be really tough. And I, I remember going mentally and emotionally prepared to find a people who were discouraged and depressed and downhearted. And I did not find that at all. I found people who had a mindset of abundance bigger than my own. It blew my mind. And it was good for me. You see, what can I invest in? I'm going to recommend, not I, we as a church are going to recommend a rhythm of three daily investment adventures, okay? And there are around three postures, and these are postures that actually will change your life and mine. And I'm not recommending this to you so that you can come back and tell me, oh, pastor, that really worked well, although you can if you want to. That'd be awesome. I'm doing this myself, okay? So if you'll take out on the on the, your teaching notes from the program that you got on the way in, and you'll flip them over and look on the back side. There are three prayers, and we call them posture prayers. And you'll notice at the bottom of the screen, take a look at the video screen right now, the bottom left, there are three different hands, and the hands are in three different postures, and each one of those is a symbol of either surrender, mission, or generosity. And we want to recommend that you pray each of those prayers 
every single day. Don't just emptily mouth the words, but pray them and as best you can at this point in your life, mean them and trust that God will give you a growing understanding of what each means as you walk throughout this year so that you can live and this natural mindset that you and I have towards scarcity, God will replace it with a mindset of abundance. And in the process, we can thrive. And we can launch this year in the wide open spaces that God intends for us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that in the midst of our scarcity, in the midst of our fears and our insecurities and sometimes just plain selfishness and, and, and so we hang on to what we have and we feel like I got to get everything I get and I can get and I got to hang on to it because it might go away at some point and I might need it and God, would you replace that? with a mindset that says, I could lose a significant portion of what I have today and I'd still be okay. I have more than enough. I have more than enough. I have extra so that I can share and I have extra so that I can enjoy things that I could get along without. Would you create in us this wonderful overflowing mindset that's an artesian well that springs up within us that says, as I follow Jesus and with God at my side, I always have way more than I need. Thank you, Jesus, for that reality. We bless you today in your name. Amen. Now, before I leave, next Sunday, Pastor Angela is going to take that very first thing, the very first hand, which is a hand of surrender. And by the way, if you do this, that's a good exercise. Have you ever prayed with your hands up in the air of surrender? That's better than having the cops behind you, you know, with your hands up in the air of surrender, all right? It's way better to surrender before Jesus, okay? She's going to come and explore how that ties into a mindset of abundance. I want to welcome you back for that teaching. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.